0: It is just an incredible blessing this morning to have Dan and Carol back in our midst, back here in fellowship, back here remembering days gone by, and and I hope and pray, uh, being thankful to God for that. We certainly are so very thankful. Um, Carol's sitting over here if you haven't s- seen her, but let me just ask us just real quickly, Just to show them our appreciation for the 12 years that Dan stood and Carol was here helping to minister this congregation and guide us and bless us in Christ. We're so thankful for that, for those years. Thank you so much. What a blessing that is. September marks 50 years. It's been 50 years since Dan began preaching and the 50 years of ministry that Carol has uh, been a part of with Dan. What's amazing is that 45 of those years have been in just three different congregations. 16 years in Portales, uh, 12 years here, and now 17 years in Fort Gibson, Oklahoma. We're so thankful for the ministry that he's done over these years, and, and right now he is sort of, kind of officially retired. He's hoping to make that an official thing and make that for sure, but it's hard. I know that congregation continues to uh, utilize his services and blessings that he provides in ministry there. He and Carol have been married 52 years and have been blessed with two sons and two daughters and six grandchildren. What a blessing that is. After 50 years of ministry, as I said, 12 years here at Sunset, who better to come and talk to us about the strength that we find in Christian community, the strength that we gain in our journey, in our walk of faith. We know and have come to learn how Um, we need each other. We need the Word of God. We need this church, this community to help to build our faith, to maintain that, and continue to strengthen us in our race of faith. So this morning, I'm going to invite Dan to come on up. I want to have a word of prayer over him, and then we will invite him to preach as we usually do. Let me pray with you, brother. Father, you're a good God, and part of your grace and part of your blessings is to raise up men who will speak truth, who will speak from your word, who will honor you with their lives, who will give themselves to you faithfully in so many years of service and in preaching. This morning, I'm just praying that you embolden in power, Dan, this morning. He has things he wants to say. I pray that our hearts and our minds will be ready and receptive to his message. This is my prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Dan, preach the word. It really is a pleasure to be
1: back. Uh, So many memories associated with our work here at Sunset. I'm going to be talking to you about strength for the journey. And I was thinking about, about my journey. And the incredibly important connection that Sunset has with the journey that I've taken. Uh, I was an extremely mature, newly married 19 year old (laughs) when we came down here to Lubbock in 1970, December of 1970, to start classes in 1971. I was uh, amazed. We grew up in Kansas. And up there at that time, a large congregation was two or three hundred. And when we drove through Lubbock, Texas, and we drove by the Broadway Church of Christ building, and then we came over to the Sunset building, and we saw congregations with hundreds and hundreds of members, I was just, I was blown away. I was just amazed. And it was a real privilege for two years to sit at the feet of some absolutely amazing teachers and just soak up what they had to say it it laid a foundation that i will always cherish and value four years later after we preached at a couple of smaller churches we came back to go through uh, missions and it was our intention at that time to uh, go to south africa and i found out as usual that god has plans sometimes that aren't exactly your plans and we ended up in portales new mexico not South Africa, for 16 wonderful years. And then the elders of this congregation contacted me and asked me if I would come and preach here at sunset. And it scared me spitless. And that's the truth. I, uh, personally, I feel like I came here as a a kind of a wide-eyed 42-year-old at that point. And you all blessed me beyond words. You grew me up. I really feel like there's a sense in which I, I became a man here. Because this place will stretch you, and it will challenge you in ways that you can't even imagine. And it can be heartbreaking and tear-making, and it can be absolutely wonderful too. It was 17 years ago this month that we said goodbye to the church here and moved up to uh, Oklahoma, to Fort Gibson, and we've been there now for for 17 years. But as I think about the journey, the 50-year journey that Carol and I have been on, And I think about why have we been able to make it 50 years? Because, you know, honestly, through the years, I've seen a lot of 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 preachers and a lot of other folks who just gave up, who quit, who didn't complete the journey. What keeps you going? What keeps you motivated? What keeps you moving? Um, That's what I'd like to talk to you about this morning. Now, couple of things right off um, there is no question in the world at all period that two amazing sources of strength are the word of god and prayer okay and i am absolutely convinced that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path psalm 119 verse 105 that we are to pray without ceasing first thessalonians 5 verse 17 no question about that But that's not what I'm going to talk to you about this morning. Because while those are incredibly important, and I don't denigrate those in any way, there are some other factors, some other sources of strength that I think are vitally important if we're going to remain faithful and we're going to complete the journey. The first of those is this, that strength is found in weakness. Now you say, wait a minute. No, bear with me. I absolutely believe this to be a scriptural principle and true. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, when Jesus begins what we call the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes, the very first Beatitude is what? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit, literally dirt poor. Right off the bat, Jesus is saying, if you really want to prosper, if you really want to be blessed, you better understand how needy you really are. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10, in a thought-provoking, very insightful sharing, Paul says, you know, I received all these revelations from God, and God knew that I was going to struggle with pride because of those and so he allowed this thorn in the flesh to afflict me now we don't know what the thorn in the flesh was a lot of speculation I personally I think he it was his eyesight because of some things he says to the Galatian brethren but regardless of what it was he says I beg God three times please take this away take this away take this away and then he gives God's response in verse 9 of 2 Corinthians 12. My grace, God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And so in verse 10, as you see on the screen, Paul will say, When I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. I get it, God. I thought I could do it. I thought I had, you know, he's the Pharisee of Pharisees, right? Man, he's got training at the feet of Gamaliel. This man has it together. This man knows the scripture. This man has the courage and all this. And then he says, ah, you know, now I understand. I realize I cannot do it without him. It's only when I recognize my weakness that I'm really going to be strong. And so you're at your strongest When you accept and embrace your weakness, it's only then that you'll turn to the true source of strength, and that true source of strength is the Lord. In Exodus 33, verse 15, Moses, you know, he's led the people out of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They're at Mount Sinai. The mountain's trembling, Um, earthquakes, thunder, lightning, all this. They're seeing the manifestations of God's power. And in the midst of all of this, Israel will do what? They will worship a golden calf. Wow. And Moses is supposed to lead these people. Listen to him, chapter 33, verse 15. If your presence will not go with me, do not bring me up from here god i don't want to do this job alone because i can't do it by myself if you want me to lead these people you're gonna have to go with me was he weak yeah but was he strong he sure was three passages of scripture i would like for you to note Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Wow. There is a source of strength. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Notice, where do we be strong? In our knowledge and our capability, and our experience and our wealth and this, no, you be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Philippians four thirteen, a verse that most of us can quote. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. It's through Him they're able to accomplish what we accomplish. Brethren, it wasn't Moses who parted the Red Sea. It wasn't Joshua who caused the walls of Jericho to fall. It wasn't Hezekiah who slayed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. It wasn't Peter who freed himself from prison. Paul didn't cause an earthquake. God did. Some amazing things happened. But they happened not because of the power of these men. It happened because of the power of God. True strength is not found in us. I honestly believe true strength flows through us. It is the power of God flowing through us that makes a difference. That's where the true source of strength lies. Second, we find strength in the presence of brothers and sisters in Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 Verses 17, 20, and 33. In that passage where Paul is talking about the eating of the Lord's Supper, the abuse that's taking place, and he's giving instruction to them three times in those three verses, he says, when you come together. I think that's really significant. Because what that says is that the observance of the Lord's death is not to be done in isolation. You know, I've had people say, oh, but I just, Dan, I just feel so close to the Lord. Or I'm sitting in that boat out on the lake you know i'm up in that tree and that hide and i'm you know watching for deer to come by and i'm just me and the lord and we're communing together and all paul says when you come together eat the lord's supper now why is that coming together being with each other this is not something done in isolation that is not the design that's not the plan why because When we do this, when we come together and we eat this Lord's Supper together, a common faith is affirmed. Is it encouraging to you when you look around and you see hundreds of people like you who are all taking the bread and taking the cup, and they're all remembering the Lord's death till He comes? Incredibly encouraging to me. It is a time when a common direction is recognized. Uh... We live in a crazy world. I'll talk more about that in a little bit. But, I mean, we're being told constantly, aren't we? The black is white and green is red and up is down and in is out. And you sometimes get to wondering, am I, is the world crazy or am I crazy? What's going on here? And I really think it's, it's when we come together with brothers and sisters in Christ And and we listen to others affirm their faith and we see this shared common set of values and and goals that we find incredible strength in one another's presence and in that common faith that we share. Ecclesiastes 4, verses 9 and 12. Two are better than one, Solomon writes. A three-four cord is not quickly broken. How many times have we said, "Ah, I can't do this. And alone we can't. But with others, with a little help, you can. We uh, replaced a a big window in our dining room a couple weeks ago. And and the window is so large it takes two sets of blinds in one bar to, to cover the window. And after the installers have put the window in, why... Carol and I were going to put the blinds back up. And so she was on a ladder on one side, and I'm on a ladder on the other. And my side, one of the cords on the blinds had broken, and so all the blinds were just hanging down. Couldn't get them pulled up. And so I'm pulling up all these blinds and gathering them up to get them up to this bar. And then what we have to do is lift this bar up and set it in this niche up above the window. No big deal, right? Big deal big deal. She's got no problem with her side. Man, I'm straining and grunting and I cannot get everything up where it needs to go. About that time, in walks one of the fellows who put the window in. And he stands there for a second and he asks a ridiculous question. Do you need some help? <laughs> yes. All right. So he comes over. This a little humiliating. And so I'm right here, right, and I just, I can't quite, literally he goes, (laughs) and he pushes it up in there, it's done, it's taken care of, that's it, that's all it needed, just, I'm straining, grunting, sweating, our marriage is getting rocky, (laughs) Mm. that's all it took, how often do we do that, huh? We strain and we grunt and we groan and we push and we cry and we're so aggravated and we won't ask for help. And maybe all we need is just, and it'll be taken care of. That's the beauty of coming together. That's the beauty of being with one another. It's amazing and it's a gift. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. And very importantly, we, we find strength in the example of others. You know, Paul will write in 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. I'd love to spend some time talking about that because that just intimidates me to death. I mean, I, I think about that in light of Can I say to my two boys and my two girls, follow dad like dad follows Christ? Can you say that to your kids? Mama? Can you say to your children, sweethearts, follow me like I follow Jesus? That is a mouthful. That is a challenge. But here's the fact. We learn by imitating. All of us do. Every single solitary one of us are great mimics and much of what we know to do we know because we mimic how did you learn to eat out of a bowl how did you learn to use a spoon how did you learn to walk you mimicked that's how you did it and i really believe that when it comes to the christian virtues, so much of it is a matter of us mimicking and imitating what we see when we're fellow christians we see the christian virtues lived us, and man, that, that's what puts meat on the bone, you see, and, and that's what really reaches me. I mean, it's, it's fine to theoretically and esoterically talk about, oh, how beautiful forgiveness is or how wonderful agape is and this kind of thing, and not denigrating that, but what I'm saying is where it really finds its power is when you see it lived, when you see it changing people's lives. Agape Seeking another's highest good. Beautiful, beautiful concept. Back up at Fort Gibson for years, years. I watched Sammy Moore every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night, push Ginger in a wheelchair into the building, into the auditorium. Ginger didn't know Sammy, didn't know any of us didn't know what was going on but sammy he said she doesn't know me but i know her and that man bathed her and clothed her and fed her and took her to services when the doors were opened for years years When Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, the husbands are to love their wives, agape their wives like Christ loved the church. You could not preach a sermon as powerful as Sammy Moore's in telling me and telling every other man there, hey, here's what it means to love your woman, guy. Here's what it means till death do us part. Here's what it means for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. All right? There, it's lived and you see it and it challenged you down to your toenails. And it makes you realize how special that agape is. Commitment. Klein Payton and I were driving to an appointment one afternoon. A couple wanted to visit with us. Uh, Klein's health was declining And as we were driving down the street, we were in a neighborhood. Klein said, Dan, would you pull over to the side to stop? And so I pulled over to the side of the street, and Klein opened the door and vomited out on the grass. Vertigo was just really, really giving him a hard time. I said, Klein, brother, we need to go back to the building. No. We are going to go see this couple. We're going to keep this appointment. If you know Klein Payton, you don't argue with Klein Payton. Okay? We kept the appointment. You can talk about commitment all you want, man. That's commitment. When you see it lived, you see a man dedicated like he was that. There's no substitute for that. And you're not going to get that in isolation. You're not going to get that sitting at home by yourself watching the TV. That's not where it's going to come. It's going to come when you're with other brethren. You have the opportunity to set an example for them, and they have an opportunity to set an example for you. Third point. Strength of the journey is going to be found in our unwavering commitment to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Brothers and sisters, we have been blessed above all people to be adopted into the family of God, as Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 17. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, Peter will make mention of the fact that we are a royal priesthood, a priesthood then that serves God by offering our bodies as living sacrifices. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. But here's the thing. That's an incredible blessing and one we should never take for granted, that we're children of God. We're part of the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, you're royalty. Do you you think about that? You're royalty. You are children of the king. He has given you tremendous blessings. And I believe we owe him a tremendous commitment. We're citizens of a kingdom that is not of this world. And it's important we understand that. As members of the royal family, as citizens of the kingdom of God, I believe we have certain rights that we need to hold to fiercely and proudly. And I believe that in holding to those rights, living our lives according to those rights, we find great strength. We find great strength in each other. We find great strength in the examples that we see about us. Let me share with you very quickly four rights that I, I really want you to hold on to and think about number one brothers you you have a right to be disgusted and horrified by sin and its consequences you see we're being told today no you don't i was listening to a, a young woman the other day she was on the swim team for the university of kentucky her family are members of the church of christ She is a world-class swimmer in the 200 meters. She went to an NCAA meet, and here came a man claiming to be a woman who walked right into the locker room with these women, walked into that locker room with her, she said, and I quote, I felt sexually assaulted. You know what she was told? She was told, we have counselors for you. And if you want to go seek counsel, we can help you deal with this because obviously she had the problem. No. And it's high time that we speak out and say, that's not right. Right. Is it? Huh? Come on. It's time we draw a line. Martin Luther King once said that the church is the conscience of a country. Does our country need a conscience? Oh, and if we're not going to be the conscience, who is? If we're not going to stand up and put our chest out and raise our chin up and say, No. There's some nonsense going on. No. It's wrong. It offends me. I'm not going to abide by it. Not going to defend it. Paul, 1 Corinthians 5, 1 and 2. Listen to him. It is actually reported that there's sexual immorality among you. And of a kind not even tolerated among pagans. For a man has his father's wife. And you're arrogant. Are you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. Is Paul upset? Does he have every right to be upset? Yes, he does. Is there things going on today that ought to upset us? And when he drew near and saw the city, Jesus wept over it. I weep over our country. I do. I weep where we're at right now. And it's high time, brethren, that we stand together and then we stand strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. And we stand against the forces of evil and darkness. And we speak up and we speak out. I was born in Kansas, raised in Kansas. I'm ashamed of Kansas. Not because of football either. I... <laughs> well, kind of, but... No, a few weeks ago, they voted to keep abortion legal and available in Kansas. And I never thought they'd do that, but they did. You know what really got me? And I still have a hard time processing this. They're showing the crowd just roaring, just happy as they can be because, wow, we've preserved the right of a woman to kill her child, unborn child. And one of those celebrating is a young mother holding a baby. Oh, I don't get it. I don't understand. How can this be? How can you hold this child and celebrate the fact that other women are killing their unborn children? Brother, if, if, if this doesn't break your heart and offend you, what's going to? And you have a right, and I believe an obligation, to be offended and to speak out. Secondly, you have the right to refuse to lie. The laws of the Creator are more important than the feelings of the creature. No one has the right in God's eyes to force me to lie, to reinforce their fantasy. Psalm 52, verse 3, you love evil more than good and lying more than speaking what is right. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Isaiah 5, verse 20. I spoke at Red River this summer. On the way out there, we stopped in Guymon, Oklahoma, spent the night. We're signing in at a motel there. And I asked the fellow who behind the desk, Is there, uh, are there any restaurants in the area that would be good places to eat at? And he said, oh, yes, ma'am, there's, there's several. And as soon as he said, yes, ma'am, he blanched. And I could tell he was horrified. And he was expecting me, I think, to get upset because he had misgendered me or whatever, I don't know. And I said, <laughs> he apologized, and apologized. I said, come on, no, no big deal. We're living in a society that's paranoid. A society that doesn't know how to talk to each other because we don't know what pronoun to use. Listen. What does the scripture say? God made man and woman, right? Read Genesis 1 and 2. That's, that's how God did it. He made man and woman. And if a man wants to live like a woman, he'll choose to live like a woman. I'm not going to call him a woman. That's a lie. I have a greater obligation to God than I do the feelings of somebody else. And we need to understand that. We must uphold truth. Somebody's got to. Who's going to do it if you don't? Would you answer me that? If we don't stand up, if we don't speak out, if we don't do it, who will? We moan and groan and carry on, don't we? We're being afflicted and picked on and (coughs) pushed around. Grow a backbone, spiritual backbone. You're a child of the king. A child of the king. Speak up. Speak up. They can't make you lie. Okay? We have this problem, you see, today. Real quick, people have gotten moral and legal confused, and they think because man makes uh, something that's immoral legal, therefore it's moral. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's that simple. Just because a government passes laws and says, well, this is legal. That does not make it moral and it doesn't make it right in the sight of God. It is is legal in certain counties in Nevada to practice prostitution. That does not make it moral. It is legal in Oregon now to pretty much shoot up, sniff up, snort up whatever you want into your body. It's legal. That doesn't make it moral. We have to be the salt and the light of this earth. Stand together strong in the Lord to speak to a nation, to a people, to a culture that desperately needs to hear the message that we have. Thirdly, you have the right to share God's truth whether man approves or permits or not. Your obligation is to his will, not the culture, not the government. Acts 5, 28 and 29 When they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. You intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered what? We must obey God rather than man. Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah are going to be thrown into that burning, fiery furnace if they don't worship that golden image. What do they say? If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver you out of the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. No. We are going to stand and speak What is right and what is good. We have a very, very fruitful prison ministry at Fort Gibson. Through the years, we have literally baptized thousands of prisoners in the state prisons in Oklahoma. Thousands. And made difference, made a real difference in the lives of of, of many, many, many people. The state encourages us to go into the prisons encourages us to share God's Word with prisoners why well because it makes better prisoners they are more compliant they're easier to get along with they follow the rules a lot better they're not fighting with each other and all that they they make the prisons a better place yeah you come on in now I can't go to Fort Gibson middle school and teach a Bible class But I can go out to prison and teach prisoners the Bible. Explain that to me. What sense does that make? Shouldn't we be in an ongoing way preventing instead of waiting until these people have done such heinous things that society says they need to be locked up in order to go and share the good news with them? What I'm saying is we don't need to be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It changes lives. And as much as the world is dragging its heels and trying to slow things up, that is a fact. We have the answer. We just need to share that answer and not be ashamed to share that answer. Finally, as a Christian... We have the right and the obligation to share God's truths. What man declares hate speech, God would call agape speech. Pointing out sin and its consequences is not hateful. It's not hateful. It's loving. We live in a day and time where if you disagree with somebody, you hate them. I don't know how we got there. There's some very interesting articles and stuff you can read that discuss the psychology of what's going on there. Uh, But we're there. Well, you disagree with me, so you hate me. No, I don't. I can disagree with you and love you. Love you deeply. Care about you deeply. <clears throat> you know, what's interesting is people talk about Jesus. Or, well, Jesus was never mean to people. Jesus. Luke 7, 44 through 50. Jesus is invited to the house, remember, of Simon the Pharisee. Do you hear him? Man, this is. This is the meek and mild Jesus who will go to the cross, the Lamb of God, yeah. This is also the Lion of Judah, folks. And when he turns to Simon and he says, Simon, you invited me to your house and you did not give me water to wash my feet. You didn't greet me with a kiss. You didn't give me oil to anoint my head. In other words, bud, you were rude. You were rude to me. And he calls him out for his rudeness. Now I'm not saying we need to walk around and call people out on stuff, but I'm saying look at Jesus. He repeatedly criticizes the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. Read Matthew 23. If you haven't read that lately, boy, that'll curl your toes. Scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, whitewashed walls, snakes. He is standing and speaking and sharing What is true and what is right, and what they need to hear, unfortunately, in the context of the abuses that are going on there. When I visit with someone about their homosexuality, I'm not mad at them. I'm not upset with them. I'm afraid for them. I'm afraid for their health physically. I'm afraid for their health spiritually. That's not hateful, that's not mean. That's loving. And that's what we need to do and be. Will we stand strong as salt and light, brethren? Strength for our journey comes in these four areas. Acknowledging our weakness, being in the presence of brothers and sisters in Christ, and our unwavering commitment to honor and serve our King of kings and Lord of lords. I beg you. In Lubbock, Texas, let's be the voice of God. Loving, kind, tender, and true. Let's share the truth of the gospel. Let's stand up for what is right. If we'll do this, if we'll do this, we can change so many lives Make such a difference in this world. And in the process of all that, I believe with all my heart, honor our God. If we can help you in any way in your walk with the Lord this morning, whether that's to come into his, a relationship with Him through baptism as you are baptized into Christ, having confessed your belief that Jesus is the Son of God, having determined that you're going to turn away from your sins, If you're in that walk and you're struggling and you need encouragement, we have brothers here who will be glad to pray with you, for you, encourage you in any way. If we can help you, won't you come? While we stand and while we sing.